Yeah. So I've been nervous anticipating this day for a while. Um, and I, I haven't known what to say, you know? How do I say good morning? So as my first time doing this, well, we will have, we'll learn something. <laughs> I'll learn something, so get practice. Um, so when I, uh, as you know, I've been um, leading the youth group. So what I like to do is I like to ask them how they're uh, doing this morning. And you all seem pretty cheerful saying good morning. So usually they'll, they'll answer like, good, I'm doing good. So, um, but I, I like to ask how, how they're really doing. What's new with them? And sometimes I have to pry a little bit. So I'll tell you how I'm doing. You know, sometimes I, I get scared. Like this day, this is something new for me. I've never preached. I, I don't speak much in church. You know, I never preached before. So I have this sense of like, what am I going to say? Not knowing because I don't know what it's going to look like. And so I, I want to just um, ask you a question. What, what was Eric's sermon about last week? I was here. I'm going to need some help. Tell me what it was about. Does anybody, anybody know what his main point was? Or I'm going to have to give you hints. Ah, uh, is anybody going to be bold? Or am I going to have to call on somebody? Like, sometimes I have to do at youth group. Yeah. So, um... Um, Jesus and his disciples are going to cross the sea, and he doesn't know the disciples. They're in this state of there's a storm, and I don't know about you, but sometimes there can be storms in our life, like currents can rage, and and there's Eric pointed out that the disciples woke up Jesus and they expected him to pray. They they didn't have the proper they didn't know what was he would do. And Jesus just simply tells the story to calm. They didn't, their trust, although it, they knew Jesus, they saw him, they heard his teachings, they didn't trust in his power. He, they didn't know he could do that. Like just simply speak and the, the storms would obey him. So there is a prayer and a trust. So as people, we, our first act can be praying. And... Um, and then putting our trust in Jesus. And so I want to open with a prayer for, for me and for us. So, dear God, as I'm standing up here today before one of your beautiful congregations, I put my trust in you. I surrender all of my fear and nervousness to you. Will you give my lips, guide my lips to speak only what is true? in serving of your will, in your love, amen. So I want to give you a little bit of background. I've been doing uh, youth group for a couple months now, just teaching them, guiding through um, the purpose-driven life, identity in Christ, um, which is what we all should root the core of who we are in. It is the most important part of us. So, 
Um, doing the youth group was also new for me at one point. Um, I had the same nervousness, anxiety, but what was I to do with that? Well, I needed to go and talk to somebody about it. I needed to take the step of an obedience and go and do. Um, so I, I, I've been praying for God's, to do God's love in my life for a long time. And so when I was asked to do a sermon, or this is even before that, so I thought, what would I want to say to LifeBridge? And, and really, the thought is simple. It's, I love you. You are awesome. And that's not something like, like, it's normal. You, know, you don't go tell a group of strangers you love them. This is my heart. It's my passion. Uh, my parents can attest, uh, I, I like to be here. You know, I, I miss you when I go on vacation. Like, this is where I belong. So, with that as my heart and the back of my mind, I want to tell this people, I want, I want to tell them I love them. So, uh, when Eric asked me to preach, if I wanted to, I, I kind of knew, yeah, I want, to, I want to say something to these people. And, like, I had no idea what I wanted to preach on, so... Eric told me what he was preaching through, which he's preaching through Matthew 8 and so on. So he said, told me what the next scripture was. And it was where as soon as Jesus is across, they get to shore and they come across um, people or two men who are demon possessed and they come running at him. And, you know, I didn't want to cover demon possession on my first time preaching. <laughs> I'll, I'll save that for the next one, or better yet, uh, someone else. Um, so, um, I, like, anticipation of today, I, I started procrastinating, you know. It's, it's not yet. So, so, then Regen came. I was a new youth leader, never, never led a group at a conference away from home, this is new, fairly stressful for me. Like, what is it going to look like? What am I supposed to do? I was confused. So, um, uh, the first verse, Romans 12, 2, uh, that was the passage of Regen, about transformation. Um, I loved that topic. It was an amazing week. I got to see the young people show a boldness make decisions that are really good. And they were easy to lead, you know? They, they, they made a lot of them choices themselves, and they're awesome. So I think we should clap for the young people. Um, so uh, we get there. I'm fairly stressed. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then I go to worship being like the critical side of me, the person that can be critical. And um, like, I, I, I think it's easy to choose what you disagree with. And that's just part of my nature and approach people and see where we can come together in our differences. Because I think when people can disagree but then come together where they do agree, 
I think that is awesome and beautiful. And with a wide range of people, that gets hard. So um, I was critical. The worship seemed fairly self-centered. It's what, what Jesus has done for me um, with the focus on me. Yeah, he is powerful, but, but I thought when I was thinking of that music, that's all about me. It's, it's selfish. And, and that's the sense I got from the worship. But then I went into uh, here. Matt Hampshire preach, and uh, he opened us up in this uh, topic. So I had to be, um, I had to pray to God. I am this critical person. I am coming with all of my stress, my anxiety, um, confusion. Will you just help me be the loving servant of your will? And after that evening, uh, there's an orientation for the youth leaders after that, and uh, there was some humor in there, and it was amazing. I, at that point, that week, it seemed to guide itself. I was not stressed. I was fully present through most of the week. It was an amazing, amazing week, and I got to see boldness in the youth. Taking a group of shy kids, you know, I was afraid they'll just tunnel vision, you know, not talk to anybody, but I got to see them connect, and that was awesome. So, um, and by the way, this is a long way of introducing my topic, so <laughs> this is still the introduction. You have, you have a while to go before we get to the, the bones. So, my boss, uh, uh, Paul, he was given me some advice this week, along with a ton of other people, which has been awesome. Just like the humor that diffused the situation with me being stressed out. So I've gotten a ton of good advice. And one of my favorite ones is from Paul. And he was saying, uh, make sure the windows are closed and that no one, no one falls asleep and falls out like Paul had. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think our, our windows look good. So... Uh, We'll just uh, see if I can't put you to sleep. Um, so I, I saw this amazing transformation, and it's something I want to share with you guys because it's something amazing that's happened in my life. So um, I want to introduce the scripture for today, but I want us to read it silently to ourselves. Um, uh, you can get out your Bible so you're reading in your own translation. And I'm a slow reader, so it'll take me a minute. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of background um, on this scripture. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, a group of people who are totally divided. Thanks, Ben. If you guys don't have a Benjamin, he is amazing. Uh, yeah, you need, a, you need a, one of those in your life. 
Um, but he's mine, so <laughs> hands off. Um, so a little bit of background about the Church of Corinth. They're this divided group of people who have different divisions. There are people that are saying, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, and I follow Paul. So with this group of people, with their divisions, Paul is writing to them in a bold manner because they're suspect that he's just living life to, for himself. So he has to approach them with a boldness. And he does. This isn't a simple thing he says to them. Um, so with, with this in mind, the three questions I approach the scripture with, well, what does this mean? What does this tell me, or does this tell me to live differently? And do I trust these words? So with those in the back of my mind, what does this mean? What does it mean to walk according to the flesh? Um, I, I want to go through like an analogy because that's the way people learn and I can do that. And it's an important visual. So I, I like to th think of us, we're raging in the currents of an ocean. We're struggling to stay afloat. And then we get introduced to Jesus. We, we get thrown a life preserver. We, we might not know where it comes from, but, but we have our life preserver, and maybe for the first time, we're not desperately trying to stay afloat. And this, this life preserver is going to represent salvation. We are now saved. We're, we're not going to drown. Yeah, we might have waves come crashing over us. We're still drifting. And that is probably the single greatest transformation. You're, you're, there's security. You're saved. And that is beautiful. But we're not supposed to stop with the life preserver. We don't, although we might not have to keep treading water, we're not done yet. We're still drifting around in the sea. Um, But the mercy and grace that we have will keep us afloat. And then I, I think of looking at it objectively. Now that we're saved, what does Satan want us to do? How is he going to fight back? He's lost the battle on our life. Like, we are saved. He can't take that away from us. So, so what's he going to do? He's going to try to weigh us down with, with sin, with shame, worry, stress, fear, anxiety. Because if he can stop us from doing the good work of God and Jesus and spreading that message, that's what he wants. We already have it. So, So how do we get this transformation from somebody drifting in the currents to someone who is a servant of God, a child of God, who's rooted in their identity and are unshakable? 
That's where we want to be. We want to be able to hand out life preservers. It's not a simple process. Um, I kind of like to think of it uh, with an image. Uh, ben, if you want to show that image. Um, who, who wants change? We, we all want it, right? But no one wants to change. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of simple. Sometimes we have to pray to want to want to. I want to want to change. And God answers your prayers. So how does this illustration of somebody drifting aimlessly, how does that say anything about transformation? Where does it correlate? Well, it's not a perfect analogy. Um, I like to think about a mature Christian in, the, in a boat handing out life preservers. We are to bond together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when you and a brother in Christ come together and now you're holding on, you try to climb into, say he has a boat, that's what the church represents. We're a boat that's supposed to be equipping us to go out and reach other people. The Holy Spirit is the sails that propel our boat, um, that are fuel us. So it's not of our power. The sail that guides us, the wind, that, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but boats can cross oceans. And I don't know about you, but I can't row across an ocean. So part of that is going to be trying to do divine work with my human power. And that's not possible. I'll, I'll, I'll spin in circles. So, so why do we need transformation? If the Holy Spirit's the one doing the work, it's actually transforming others. Why, why, why should I not be content in my sin, not want to change, and stay who I am? Well, that's not giving room for the Holy Spirit. We have to be in a position in our life where we're giving the Holy Spirit the room. So, part of this is coming together to form bonds in Christ. Because Satan, when we're, a group of people are united in Christ, Satan doesn't have his power. His power loses effect. Yeah, we might have to bail water out of our boat. It won't be fun. But he'll, Satan, Satan's goal in the church is to drive wedges in. And if he can divide us and put a crack in our bow, our work is going to be focused on bailing water. But the real thing is, is don't forget about your life preserver. And then the bonds you form in Christ, if they're obedient to the Lord and his will, we can transform in amazing ways. And I, I like the part where this says, take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. I, I think 
That is a very, very important part of this. I don't know, how, how many of you have ever tried to question everything they think of in a given day? Like every random little thought. I don't know about you guys, but I have. I have tried to question every single thing I think about. And I realize I think about a lot of stuff in a day. And it might not be quite so practical. Um, it's a way you can doubt yourself, question yourself, but sometimes these questions can be good. Uh, like, I have a lot of crazy thoughts sometimes. So, like, some of them are automatic, some of them a passive way, just a way of responding to the world. These, I'll, I'll, I'll sh sh share one with you. Who here has ever been at a restaurant and a waiter's come out with your food and he's like, hot plate, real, it's really hot, be careful. And then your initial thought, ooh, I should touch it. I wonder how hot it is. That, that's your wonder. You're just like, ooh, I'll move it around so I'll eat it better, you know, closer to me, whatnot. You're adjusting, that's your automatic thought. You're, it's the wonder, it's the creativity. And I'm not going to say that that wonder is bad. It's not. As long as, like, listen to him, be careful, you know, tap it a little bit. <laughs> um, so a lot of our thought is a more passive process. Observations, thinking, just the quick decisions you make. And I, I want to ask you, is there a single thing you've ever done that you did not decide to do? The decisions we make control what we do, whether they're passive and of the world or they're active and for Christ. We must make decisions. So why leave it up to our initial thought and whatever we feel like? Because that's usually what will win. Unless we're to consciously question and surrender it to the Lord. So can there ever be a better decision than inviting Christ into the situation? You still might make mistakes, but can there be a better decision Kind of like your first decision to accept salvation. Like that's probably the best decision of your life. So can there ever be a bad situation that you invite Christ into and that's not the right thing? I don't think there is. I think we need to invite Jesus and what he would do into the situations of our life. We'll still make mistakes. We're still going to be in that ocean splashing around in a boat. The, and the one thing is, we can pray to God to solve all of our problems. We, we have the consequences of our behavior. And we can dislike those. Sometimes they suck. So, that can make us want change. But, but if you're, like, human power is so focused on that change, you fail a lot. We, we need the Holy Spirit and his power. Um, as far as changing action, the world has a lot to say about it. Not all of it's good. 
Some of it, it can be classified in psychology to behavior modification. A lot of people use that term. That's gonna be a lot of your self-health advice. And, and it's easy to be critical about that. Like, it's, these are written by somebody outside of the knowledge of Christ, or, or sometimes, sometimes you can find really good ones that are written by people who follow Christ. But if, you, if the goal is just to change your behavior, you're not going to get there. But if the goal is to follow Jesus and to do his love and his will, you'll find a way. So this isn't a passive process. We're not to sit back and let the waves move us around. We're supposed to put our sails up. And that process involves a lot of trust, which is one of the awesome things that was pointed out last week by Eric. We can see these amazing acts of healing happen, but I want to trust that God. You know, the God who can transform people. Um, And when I think about, like, transformation, I kind of think of Paul's story in the Damascus Road in Acts, um, Acts 9. Uh, when he, Paul is this man who is deeply opposed to Christians. He wants to persecute them. He, he, he wants them to fail. He's actively against them as Saul. So he's on this road to go, on his way to go persecute some believers. And um, on his way, he's um, approached, he falls to the ground And here's the voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. I like that because it's Saul. He's hearing this amazing voice from God. Almost unbelievable. He, he's like, oh, Lord, is that you? This only makes sense if it's you. So he has this night and day transformation. He, is, he proceeds to go out of the city and to meet this guy. And then he goes out and preaches who Jesus is. Something he would have killed somebody for doing earlier. So it's like a 180. He's now a traitor to the people he would have served before. At that moment, after his transformation, he's ready to go do. He's, he's on fire because he knows this is from the Lord. So what he, he goes and preaches and people try to kill him. You know, a couple times actually. But his transformation isn't over yet. He, he's, he doesn't immediately start writing the gospel or the, the word of God. The, he doesn't start writing our Bible right away. He goes back to his hometown for some time, and it's a period where he cools off, but a lot of transformation happens there. He is learning to 
to live for Christ again. Like, he, or I shouldn't say again, but... <laughs> um, it, it, it wasn't a slow process. Some people um, believe it was about 10 years. I want to, and I don't know about you, when I think of transformation. I want to follow the guy who was the worst person and then is totally crazy about God. Because if he can save that dude and transform that guy, I believe in that. So like I was saying in the, the story of crashing around in the winds, the divine power is not going to be the same power we use in our flesh. It's, it's simply not. Once we try to use our will and not surrender, we're going to fail quite swiftly. Um... And then it ends with a portion of obedience. Um, we are to obey. Um, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when someone tells me something to do, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, it's, it's not a fun process. Um, But, but when we can break down that obedience step to I want to love God or I want to love this person by doing this, then we have a reason and we have a purpose to remember what we're to do. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So we're not to enter into these battles alone. We are to have accountability partners. We're to have discipleship mentors by people who have been truly transformed. Because I like to look at it like this. Who here has heard the saying... Um, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, I've heard it, you know. I, I don't really, like, it doesn't mean much to me, you know. I, I can sometimes see these horrible things these people are doing and be like, yeah, you shouldn't do that, you know. <laughs> Why are you telling me? <laughs> and then, but I, I see there's so much more power in do not as I have done, do as I now do. Follow, follow me in this way. Because when we can get in close relationship with a brother who can speak truth to us, who can know us and know our future better than we can, that is amazing. It's, it's, it's necessary. So as transformation, it's not a process of once and done. It's... it's it's about the whole story.
It's about this, I am transformed. I've been transformed. I've been saved. But it's also about I'm being transformed. And I will be transformed. So what are we transforming into? If, if our goal is transformation. So that goes back to what I've been going through with youth group, which is the purpose-driven life. It is a book about purpose. It's good. And I've been, uh, so I'll read the chapter and the scripture, and um, then I will go through and reread all the scripture with some context. Then out of those, I'll pull, what is he really talking about in the Bible here? And I can build those and bring those to a lesson. So it, all of these things are on the purpose. What are we to do in life? What on earth am I here for? And the book doesn't tell us your life will look like this. Because God doesn't do that. We might choose to be disobedient. Like, if he showed me my entire plan... That would look crazy. A couple of years ago, you know, I, I, I was like, no way would I stand up there and preach, you know? So, rooted in our identity in Christ, where, where we're rooted. Adopted sons and daughters of our God. Is saved and transformed. Happened. We're on fire. We know who we are for the first time maybe ever. We are to equip ourselves to go out and do the root of our purpose. We are to go out and love. To love the people of our world. To spread the gospel. Because of our roots. Because we've been transformed by, the, by Jesus and his sacrifice he made on the cross. And, and we're not in this alone. We have the Holy Spirit too. That, that, that's what fills us. That's what's going to do all the lifting, heavy lifting. Um, in the, when I chose to do more with the youth group, I'm like, what in the world? I don't have a big, huge knowledge of the Bible. Like, there's tons of questions I can't answer. And I can think of a lot of questions. So, with that all said, it's not all the questions that matter and finding answers to every single possible questions. Because really, we have a couple. A couple questions that will truly let us trust God. And it's work to answer those. but we have the Holy Spirit. So, um, I'm closing up here. And before I pray, I want, you, I want to challenge you all to do one thing for me. Instead of like simply saying, good job, you know, or something shallow, I want you to actually be thoughtful and respond to me, whether good or bad, criticism, like, a real response is so much more productive than, good job. It's like small talk. I don't, I don't quite enjoy small talk. 
You know, it's like a formality that, oh, good, yeah, I'm doing good, how are you, whatnot. It's not real. So I want you to tell me, tell me why you liked it or tell me what I need to do better on. So I'm going to pray for us to close us out. And so if you all bow your heads with me. Dear God, I pray that we all come to before you today to surrender our lives to you, invite you into any of these situations in our lives where, where we're tired, we, we don't have the strength to do what we think. This, we, we invite you into our life. Take control of every situation, every decision we need to make for you. Your will be done. God, I thank you for the transformation you've done in my life the amazing work you're doing. To you be all the glory. And I want to thank you for the hope we have in our future with you. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the hope we have in our futures. That we're not fighting for our story anymore. That we're fighting for yours. So God, will you equip us to go out and accomplish your will, tackle it, do, let's do it. Let us follow you. Amen.